Well, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent to them. Amen. All we represent to them, man, is somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, no. What you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about. Just what is it that you want to do? You want to be free to ride. You want to be free to ride on machines without being hassled by the man. Yeah! All right, welcome, everybody, to Chopper Profits. Um... Today, we have a very special guest on the show. Um, he's someone, if you've been on Instagram for any amount of time, you've probably seen his work. He's a photographer, and um, I'm actually super excited because we've been talking off mic for the last probably two hours. We were going to start the show way earlier today, but uh, we just had a lot to talk about, and uh, he's a great guy. So welcome, uh, Billy Childress, to the show. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and... Uh, I just want to say um, thank you to everybody who's listening, uh, who's been supporting the show. Um, again, the purpose of this whole sh- of this whole thought, uh, this whole thing with Chopper Culture, uh, with Chopper Profits, was to really give a voice to the Chopper Culture and uh, kind of bring back some of that uh, the originality within that culture. Things like uh, the humility of people that were in it and uh, the giving uh, people trading, you know, secrets and and um, and insight into writing and whatever their, their profession was. And, um, so I want to thank you for listening. And, um, today we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, where Billy comes from and, you know, his thing is photography and, uh, among other things. Um, so Billy, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started? Like maybe from the younger years. Um, I got started in photography through my dad. He always had a camera around (laughs) and lenses. He was always buying things and always taking pictures. And, uh, we were into hot rods. Like, he was in a car club back when I I can remember going to car shows. Like, they would drag me out of school and be like, we're going to this car show. Nice. And I was like, we got a 38 Ford pickup truck that we uh, built together, uh, put a big block in it. Because my dad's a Chevy man, but he had a Ford hot rod, a 38 Ford. Awesome. And uh, so, <clears throat> uh, from that start, like, uh, it was just weird because uh, we were working on stuff. We put a Mustang front end handling lowered in mm-hmm. on the front end it's a 38 ford so there's all these kind of crazy like little differential things that we did to it and uh traveling around with the car club and i didn't even know what the club was that i was that young at yeah. the time like you just know you got to get out of school club meetings yeah it was like <laughs> you're, you're going to like this this rally and it was cars and bikes nice. and uh they were they were always into bikes but the cars like i guess as the time got older the cars were uh, relatively easier and the older guys in the in the country in the backwoods were doing cars and working on cars and so uh i got drug into that we had jackets you know nice. like i had my kid jacket i remember granite city hot rods like we were we were a crew uh they were the, <laughs> they were the cheesy old shiny jackets you yep, remember those I like do. Uh, the print on the, the screen print on the back they were like the, the ones in the early snaps. days that had like the cobras on the back <laughs> exactly, with the two wheels yep. exactly dude. i remember and, those and and we rocked those the car shows and uh i mean there's albums and albums of uh photos of bikes and cars from when i was growing up my dad like vintage albums like the leather bound like mm-hmm. just four by sixes just stacked in there. i got some of those upstairs <laughs> Just stacked in there of, of cars and, and car shows and just, you know, just being around it. Like, uh, I don't know. I just kind of, I kind of fell into it through my father. 
So he was he was always shooting photos. He was always and... shooting photos, like family photos, like just traveling and doing car shows. And he always was the one at the car shows that had the camera and was had different lenses and was doing things. And he's he was an artist in itself, and in a sense, uh, he's a welder mm-hmm. um, by trade. Um, and uh, they would always say, like I remember back in the country, I would say something about my dad, and somebody's like, "Oh yeah, I know him. He can weld two aluminum cans together. You couldn't ever see the line." <laughs> nice, you know. And, That's uh, talent. Yeah, I mean, he was a talented. He was a talented guy. I mean, he um, he would do drawings and paint, do hand signs for people. I remember back in the day watching him do like uh, hand painted signs, like as far as lettering. He was a very talented man, and awesome. uh, he just took that welding to it and traveled and. Uh, with all that said, like just the art and the photos and stuff, I just kind of instilled it through him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a professional in any means in any of those realms. He mm-hmm. was just like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Yeah. Besides welding, uh, I would I will say that my dad was pretty much a master of welding, whether it be TIG, MIG, uh, stick, whatever. Like he could handle it. He could handle. It. That's great. Yeah. Did um? Do you think that um? Or I should say, has how is your view through the lens compared to your dad's view through the lens? Like when you go out to shoot stuff, um, no, I'm not talking about like a project that you're on, you know, that someone wants something specific, but when you're allowed just to do what you want to do, how is your view through that lens different from your dad's? Mm, in that sense, I think that, um, I think I see, uh, we all see things different. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like our eyes perceive things, we all have like uh, telephoto lenses. Like you, you might see something and be like, "Oh, that's a good pick," mm-hmm. but actually, in reality, in the camera, it's not. Sure. You know, we all perceive things different. Um, as far as my eye versus my father's eye, I think, I think he does have a good eye. Like from years of growing up and looking at, back at the pictures and stuff that he does, he does have a good eye. But I think that in the sense that I, I, I grew up on that, and I just took. Um, and tried to enhance my skills like he did with his welding into photography. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my eye is totally different. But you, in the in the sense, I, I do I did grasp things from him as far as, like, you know, perspective-wise. And him buying lenses. Like, he didn't have, like, just a regular point-and-shoot, you know, as far as, like, you know, going and buying a disposable camera or whatever and, and point-and-shooting it. He actually had a camera body and different lenses. An SLR, some yeah. kind? Yeah. Yeah, he is that had, what they were back then? Yeah. The single, single, single lens, lens reflex. reflex yeah. okay. He wasn't shooting any twin lens reflexes, or he wasn't shooting medium format. He was shooting thirty-five. You know, I've shot all the formats from four by five to eight by ten to um, thirty-five to digital. You know, when I went to photo school in college, you know, it was film based. Digital was just, you know, on the the perch of like going on. You were telling me beforehand you played sports. Yeah. And um, how was that kind of growing up? Where you grew up, and it was North Carolina, right? Yeah, I'm from a small town in North Carolina. It's called Mount Airy, North Carolina. Um, I don't know. It's a great place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it instilled in me like it's a small country town, and I still have that aspect and, and feel, and, and I love it. And uh, I kind of always look. I've been all over the world, mm-hmm. and but home is North Carolina. In two hours, I can be at the coast. In two hours, I can be in the mountains. I love that. It doesn't that. get any better. We have the same me. thing here. I know. <laughs> That's and you I guys love get, that. And you guys get to ride year round, <laughs> which is like, you know, yeah. killing me. Yeah. But uh, when I was young growing up, um, I was, um, like I said, I'm from a small town. Like, if you're not involved in sports, you're not kind of involved in anything. Yeah. But I was a skater. Like, I've been skateboarding all my life. I remember um, that was probably my first sport. 
um, when I was five, I, I have pictures of me like sitting down on a skateboard, rolling down the hill. That's and, awesome. Uh, so I always like always skated, always had my individuality, but uh, I, I never lost, mm-hmm. you know. And and skating to me, and over the years, I still um, shoot skateboard photos. I still ride my skateboard. I, I love it just as much as I did when I was a kid. Um, I never lost sight of that individuality of landing a trick and, and being stoked, but I also got that same recognition in sports mm-hmm. um, growing up. Um, yeah, I was a big athletic uh, jock, I guess. And uh, I always got, I have a stack of letters, never got a letterman jacket. I never seen the point in it of uh, carrying it around. My grandmother still told me two Christmas ago that she would buy me a letterman jacket. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, you know, I mean, I find them, I run across them every once in a while, like if I'm cleaning or moving or yeah. doing something like that. And, you know, it brings back good memories. But like, I was different, like on the team, I was that guy that kind of stood out that like, you know, I would ride my skateboard to school. Mm-hmm. And everybody else was like worried about what kind of car or whatever they were driving in or Camaro. whatever. I would park. Uh, I actually had a bitching Camaro Did in high you? school. <laughs> I also drove a 1962 Falcon to high school. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> but um, you were saying earlier that you would park a couple blocks away. I would, I, yeah, I would park like a mile or or uh, a couple blocks away. I'd park at this. Uh, it was a Rite Aid at the time. No, actually, no, it's a Rite Aid now. It was a Eckerd's at okay. the t- at the time. That's funny. I know what Eckerd's is. Yeah, it's an old school. It's like <laughs> you know, it's like Sears and Robux kind of deal yep. in today's world. But uh, I'd park at an Eckerd's and I would skate to school um, just because I wanted to. Yeah. It'd be a nice morning or a nice day, and I'd say, you know screw going and parking with my parking pass i just want to skate to school yeah and kind of live that lifestyle of like you know actually transport of skateboarding yeah. but you, you weren't know? doing it to try and be a skateboarder you just did <laughs> no, it because you love skateboarding I, I did it just because i wanted to yeah. like you know what i mean like i would just you know i grew up just watching skate films and and watching pro skaters and and digging on it and loving on it and the whole aspect of it um as far as an individuality sport of getting, you know, you get satis- you get satisfied by yourself for doing something. You don't get recognition from a team. Yeah. You know, you get uh, recognition from yourself. You get, you know, you get this certain high of doing a trick Absolutely. on your own. You know what I mean? And Finally being able just, to land it or pull it. <clears throat> pull it or whatever. <clears throat> and it's just, you know, that was just, that was just instilled in me. I just loved it, you know, from the start. So I would try to take that to school. It was just, you know. And people weren't really receptive to that. Do they know how to receive you? Or are they kind of like, are not you a the, jock? Or are not you in the a country, yeah. And it, that's kind of my whole high school battle is like I kind of went through these weird different phases in high school as far as like I would go to the city school. Mm-hmm. And then when the city school burst over to a block system, so did the county. So mm-hmm. I would go back and forth because I had friends. Everybody. I hung out with everybody. I hung out with the redneck bull riders in my country town. I hung out with the skaters that skated, that really did skate, that mm-hmm. didn't skate for recognition. Right. You know, the people that were really into it like I were. And, you know, I hung out with the jocks and the popular kids, too. I hung out with everybody. Yeah. I hung out with the Mexicans. hung out with the blacks. I'm from the South, so that's what they say. I'm not racist at all, yeah. man. I mean, hell, I date. I've dated all, all kinds of girls. I mean, my girlfriend now is a Mexican, but and half German. I call her a Mexican Nazi. <laughs> so I mean, it, 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 it really and she's matter. actually she's in the studio with us right now. Yeah, That's the she's best in the part. studio with us. And I, I mean, I've dated, I mean, I've dated black girls. Yeah, you know, and so what? Uh, I mean, I really don't care. I'm an equal opportunity player. Just to let you know, <laughs> I gave everybody a chance. 
Hell, I'll be the first to give a black girl stripper a dollar. Everybody else will be hating. All the bikers will be at the club were hating. You know, but I'll, I'll, I'll give a black girl a dollar in a heartbeat. <laughs> and they all make fun of me for it, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I really don't. Like I said, I'm an equal opportunity player. <laughs> that's and my that's, line. I'm that's sticking going, to it. That's going on record. That's going on record. Um, well, let's lighten it up a little bit then. Um, we've talked a little bit about your photo past and um, kind of your influences and stuff. Um, I know that um, this past year you had a job where you got to go overseas. I, I'm sure there's been a few of them, but one of them that you really threw a lot of pictures up on Instagram. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, beautiful, beautiful country photos. Can you tell us a little bit about that trip and how that was? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, I was in Switzerland. Um, I've been there eight times in the last six years. Um, nice. I've been fortunate enough to uh, contract this photo job um, with uh, another photographer that I work for. Um, so he'll contract you to, to contract help him. me out to help him, nice. and uh, we shoot together. And uh, it's really good gig, man. Um, the the gig in Switzerland, it's 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 um, it's awesome. I mean, I really, I really have been blessed being from where I'm from, from a small town, and mm-hmm. being to have all these experiences of traveling and shooting all these different things and different scenarios. It's really been a, I mean, a blessing. I really couldn't ask for anything more. Being from where I'm from, like yeah. I'm from nowhere. I mean, you know, and like people like my stuff. I mean, it makes me happy. It puts a smile on my face. But I'm my worst critic. I'm real modest about everything. Like yeah. I'm real down to earth. I try to be as humble as I can about everything to be in this, you know, I feel as an honor, you know, as, as, as being out here, I'm in LA right now as a show that Cicero is putting on, um, in LA. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when I was in Switzerland asked me to be a part of this show, you know, mm-hmm. and there's like, I can't describe how many artists on the bill are just so amazing that to be in that realm of just, you know, it's an honor yeah. to be set in there just to put, three prints you know, being put on a bill with other people that are you know may, that you may yeah. perceive as being further along than you or, yeah and that yeah. i look up to and i think that their stuff's awesome and then they 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 in return think that my stuff's awesome and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about but because uh, <laughs> you're your own worst critic yeah, exactly but um in switzerland the the gig is uh <laughs> i go over there and um we work for this um american school in switzerland it's a private school it's a boarding mm-hmm. school it's ninety grand a semester for these kids oh to go there. Oh my! Can you it's, say that again? It's ninety grand a semester for these kids to go there. Holy and, uh, moly! It's in the Swiss Alps. It's in a small town called Lausanne, um, and it's you're above everything. Yeah. Like I mean, you're literally in the Alps. The kids. Uh, the cool thing about going there in the winter is I've skateboarded for eighteen to twenty years of my life, mm-hmm. and I've snowboarded just as long. So I get to take these kids to the mountain, like their ski season, mm-hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays during ski season um, in the Alps, they um, get out of school at 12 o'clock and they go straight to the mountain. So it's like you take all these kids and it's pretty amazing because some of these kids have never seen snow before. Really? You take kids from Saudi Arabia. Oh, that's right. They're American. They're not American. Oh, it's, okay. it's, it's American school. Uh, so like they teach English as a second language. It's, okay. it's like a, a big thing. But these kids are all over the world. Yeah. They're from Kazakhstan, which is not like Borat. <laughs> if you say Kazakhstan <laughs> around a Kazakhstan student, it's like it's it's crazy. They just look at you. Like, do you know Borat? I remember when it when Borat dropped. I was just like, I was over in Switzerland when it dropped, and I was just like, 
very nice. <laughs> and uh, this kids, is not what it's like. <laughs> these kids were these kids were freaking out on me and looking at me, and they're and they're, they're not like I mean, it's not like anything like you've ever seen. But yeah. um, these kids are from everywhere, and they've um, Saudi Arabia. Some of us never even cooked for themselves, or hmm. they never drip. Um, they've never walked anywhere. Wow, you know, they, they come they, from pretty affluent. They come from. I mean, like I said, ninety grand a semester. You know, and it's some some kids come from America. Some kids come from, uh, they come from Europe. They come from Asia. They come they come from all over. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just really cool because you take these kids out and uh, you photograph them, and they're, they're they're seeing snow and they're learning how to ski and they're learning how to snowboard, and you just they they take all this stuff in and they're learning English and it's it's a really cool gig, man. Like, that's awesome. That's, I, it's it's a very special place for me, honestly. Every time I go there and every time we're invited back, uh, it just holds a special place for me, honestly. Um, because it's like the same routine. Like I know like the food that I'm going to eat. <laughs> I know where I'm going to go. I know what I'm going to do. But still, it's just like... The kids I, are I can't, different every time? Um, Sometimes watched, different kids. And over the years, being there eight times over six years, I've seen some kids turn in from like youngins to young mm -hmm. adults and, and then you get to experience new kids coming through exactly that and same that new it, reaction it's, it's cool and i get to photograph them and talk to them and it's like you know um they're from all walks of life yeah you know and you get to i mean just watching some of these kids grow up there's a kid yoshi over there now that um he's just graduating and i've known for i guess the last four years of watching him grow up hmm. and uh you know he's from japan yeah. and um he's on ski team and like he's just he's just a rad kid and he's not really uh he reminds me a lot of myself like talking to him like he's not academically like sound like he's more into like being out and mm -hmm. being involved with certain certain stuff billy's being humble right now by the way <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um but you know he's just he's just a great kid yeah. and i just watched him grow up over the years of going over there and, and photographing him and videoing him because mm -hmm. we do video and photograph over there um, but anyway, that, that gig, that gig's amazing. Well, like some of the shots I saw, man, I, I've never seen snow like that. I mean, those shots look like, you know, fresh powder, you know, a foot to two feet, maybe three feet deep with like never been touched by a human body yeah. part. It, it was, was amazing. Yeah. Some of the backcountry hiking was, uh, like I said, I've snowboarded a lot and some of the drop-ins were gnarly and the powder was waist deep. It was, it was sick to ride those conditions and the hiking was was excruciating some yeah, of the i was gonna say probably some really of, tough some, some of the hiking was more dangerous than actually the drop-ins wow. because we were walking beside of like cliffs on mountains and then there was this one little sketchy path that we had to take to traverse around this mountain mm -hmm. um that we had to actually strap in we couldn't walk we tried to walk across it mm -hmm. and it broke free and uh, we had to strap in our snowboards and take this little skinny path that was just wide wow. enough for our snowboards across this, this mountain. And, like, if you came off the trek, like, you're done. Like, yeah. uh, I remember being out there and being, like, I guess a quote-unquote biker or whatever. I kept carrying a freaking <laughs> pocket knife on me all day. And Peter kept asking me, he was like, why do you keep carrying that pocket knife when we're going out to the backcountry? I said, because we're two Americans. I said, I'm a fucking hillbilly and i was like you're uh from up north and i said we don't have any avalanche tracking devices uh -huh. or anything like that we don't have anything that we're we don't have snowshoes to hike in this stuff yeah we have no 
recollection or anything. We're just going balls to the wall. Yep. And we're just going out and we're living it. And we're doing it. And uh, he's like, well, so what's the knife for? And I said, because if I get caught in an avalanche, I said, I ain't being buried alive. I said, yeah. I'm going to end it. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and take care of it. I oh, said, here I was thinking you were going to say, I'm no, digging my way out with no, this freaking pocket knife. No, I'm, I'm, I'm ending it, bud. I'm, I'm eating ahead, you, I'm and I'm ahead, digging my way out. I'm going ahead and taking care of it. I'm going to slip my own throat or something. I'm going to go ahead and take I ain't going to be buried alive. That's yeah. the honest truth. And he's just dying laughing about it, and I carried it every day. And then, like, this one day we dropped down this, like, uh, one of the last days we were out there riding, we dropped down this run, this little cliff that came up in the backcountry, and uh, it kind of broke free. Like, I started the line in mm-hmm. the backcountry. And he was following my line, and I remember the avalanche started. It was like a small one. It wasn't nothing major, but it was cool for me. But the whole side from, broke loose. Yeah, basically. the side broke loose, and these snowballs that were like, you know, basically, I guess, golf ball sizes, by the time they rolled all the way down to the bottom to where we were, they were like, you know, boulders. They wow. were huge. And, uh, you know, just this big cloud of, like, snow and stuff. And it was pretty amazing. It was scary, and it was epic at all the yeah. same time. It was just, like, one of those things that was just, like, I've never experienced anything like it. You couldn't put all those elements together to make it happen. It no. had to just be yeah, something that happened. Just, yeah, and, you, you know, you're just, like, you're seeing these little, like, snowballs, like, turning into, like, big boulders as they're rolling down this thing, and they're chasing you. And you're, yeah. like, it's it's intense, and it's, like, it's like one of the best, I mean, it's it's, like, you know, riding a chopper, yeah. you know, it's like, it's the same feeling. It's the same feeling as like splitting lanes, like on the highway, like just fucking just rolling. Like, you know, you don't know how it started, but you started, you just went with it and you're just rolling yeah. and you're going and you're just looking forward. You ain't looking back. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're focused on what's, what's ahead yep. and you're just going with it. It's the same thing as riding a motorcycle. You know, it's the same, same aspect. It's actually a perfect segue. You are in death science. I am in death science. And um, for those who don't know, death science um, is a group of guys who are now spread out across a bunch of different states. But uh, I would say the we're, main we're core group. We're growing in the <laughs> They are uh, mainly a core group from North Carolina. Um, would you say near Raleigh? Yeah, near Raleigh, like right outside in Wake Forest in Raleigh. Yeah. So um, what I know of death science, and you can find them um, – you can find them all over, but if you go to Death Science, www.deathscience.com, um, Death Science has a whole bunch of gear, buttons, all that stuff, so you can, uh, you know, dress out your vests and patches. Um, get, but you, I, get your cut kit old, get your flare old. There you go. Um, I heard they're coming out. You guys are coming out with a cut that's all ready to go next year. Oh yeah, no, I'm Maybe just kidding. Though. I don't know. I, I have more flare than anybody. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I lose half of it on every run, and then I just gain more. I don't care. That's what it's for, right? I'm working on uh, my Flanagan's kit so I can get that job at um, uh, Applebee's <laughs> so I can have the most flare. Uh, we're gonna have photos up on our website too, following <laughs> this interview. But uh, we'll have to get a picture of all your your buttons and oh, stuff. Uh, they, they come and go like i said i lose them and then i i gain more i think that's just how it goes like <laughs> yeah. for me i i remember getting my death science patches and i, I was i don't even want to i can't even describe to you or articulate how yeah. stoked i was because i i've been following you guys for a while um, that's awesome man it, it makes us i mean it really does it makes us feel good like i mean I, I mean i do like just somebody comes up new and says something about like hey when are you guys gonna do this or do that and i'm just like Oh man, you you check out the site and do that. I mean, we're just a bunch of dudes that hang out. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't really like. And uh, like I said, like the stuff that we get done, like a lot. The founding members, um, to to be exact, are Tim and Matt. Okay. Tim Lynn and Matt Burrell. Um, 
and they're two of my um, best friends. Um, they're great dudes. Um, they're great fathers. They're great at a lot of things that they do. Um, and they, they find a common balance between all that, being fathers and being crazy. motorcycle builders and riders. And, I have a lot of respect for them and, to be able to do that. And carrying the blog. Like I said, like <clears throat> half of us don't post to the blog like we should. I mean, really, like if it wasn't for um, Tim and Matt throughout the years mm-hmm. um, before I became a member, I mean, there probably wouldn't be as much, I guess, hype or or uh, enough following for us if it wasn't for them. You know, like they really put in their work. I mean, Tim does show class, I mean, pretty much all by himself. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people involved. Don't get me wrong. It's not solely, but he likes to lay out the magazine himself. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows that or whatever, but um, Death Science and Show Class, I mean, as far as the magazine, I mean, they they, they really took off on their own like and did Mm -hmm. it. And, like, those dudes – really have a lot on their plate as far as like social media and yeah. stuff like that and they, they find a common balance and they do it all and um like i said we wouldn't be anything without them you know um well tell me a little bit about because um, for those who haven't seen it uh there's a, a vimeo i don't know how you say it i call it vimeo there's a vimeo channel also youtube um there's a um, another member of death science daniel thomas mm-hmm. um, who does a lot of the video work um, and I think you guys kind of share the video photography stuff. In fact, uh, I yeah, think I it was a good common bond with Daniel. I love Daniel. It was the revenge. No, it wasn't the revenge run. It was either the war ride or one of them that I saw you guys passing. You played hot potato with the, oh uh, yeah, it was the war ride the camera. Uh, yeah. We were playing uh, hot potato with the camera, passing it back and forth, the GoPro, iPhone, whatever. I'm a big, uh, which I, I guess I probably shouldn't be like, but when I'm out riding, I cut up a lot mm-hmm. and, um, like when I'm shooting, like I stand up on my bike and I turn around, and I shoot and do all shit, and people are like, that "And that's like- fucking crazy." And then and Daniel's the same exact way. Like we'll ride two up in a tight curve together and pass a camera back and forth nice. and not care. <laughs> um, but we know each other, and yeah. it's the same with riding with Matt. Like that photo that um, a lot of people enjoy and like is where Matt's like running my throttle. I mean, we did mm-hmm. that. To be honest, we did that multiple times. Yeah, you were grabbing a nice, it. cool beverage. And he was, oh, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. That was a different one? Different one, okay. yeah. Like, I'll, oh, yeah. I don't know. If a chase truck's around, I'll go get a beer out of the chase truck. <laughs> while we're I didn't riding, want to say I'll pull it up was, the side. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go grab a beer out of the truck and take a sip and give it back to you. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, and Matt's like, I call it the run, <laughs> a running it photo um, where he's, like, running my throttle. We're riding side by side, and he's, like, running my throttle, and mm-hmm. I'm just laid back, and it's a photo of him with his him running his throttle and the his hand on my throttle you know we did that like i've seen that probably eight or ten times i mean it's probably like and it's in the show on monday that that print i mean i love it it just and it didn't happen like we didn't plan it we didn't go out to shoot that photo right we were just out riding yeah and i just riding and shooting and uh i pulled up on matt and he pulled up on me and he just reached over and grabbed my throttle and started running it and then like i started shooting pics and then we just kept doing it yeah. because, you know, like, honestly, um, I know a lot of riding photographers. When you're riding, you don't edit. You don't look through your stuff. Yeah. You, you know, you grab a couple of cards, you load them in, and, you know, you, everybody has their different settings of what they want to set their stuff on their camera or however they want things to be perceived. And you basically shoot away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't, It's kind of like shooting from the hip. You're not yeah, looking you, through the, the viewfinder. I, well, I look through the viewfinder. Okay. Um, I will look through the viewfinder and it trips people out. But, that's um, pretty crazy. I only know you, you mentioned about uh, not. Apologies for cutting you off, but 
when you were talking about standing up on your bike and stuff, I, I found, um, I think his name's Josh Kirpius. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. Kirpius? Yeah. And, um, he does the same thing. That's crazy. And it's, it's I couldn't do it. It's, it's yeah. And the people <laughs> trip out about it. Yeah. And that dude's, uh, he's, 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 uh, incredibly talented as well. Um, I hope to have him on the show at yeah, some point. He's, he's an incredibly talented, um, guy as far as rider and photographer. Um, he's extremely talented and, uh, um, definitely enjoy his work as well but um yeah i do the same thing man i just and then, like i said i just i don't know i just started doing it i've surfed yeah. every bike pretty much have you yeah have you ever I've down had, have you ever gone down on one of the bikes you surfed not surfing but i have wrecked a couple of times i mean there's just the old saying going it's like you know if you're a biker there's uh there's those a bend down and those are going down yeah it's just a matter of time I hope I already have my bend down on. Yeah, I mean, it happened a long time ago, but I mean, I went down <laughs> most of the time. I got hyperthermia on a bike one time Oof. and went down. Um, I completely locked up. Uh, the throttle was wide open. My hand was stuck on the throttle, and my clutch was pulled in, so I just let go of both at the same time. Wow! And it jumped and pulled me with it. Um, but that was uh, that was a freak thing. Like I said, I had hyperthermia. I was freaking out. Like I was completely. I was how did, cold. How did it happen? Did you have gloves on and stuff? Uh, just I did have gloves. I didn't. Well, this is a crazy story. I was in the country back uh, back before I even knew what um, death science or anything was about, like mm-hmm. internet-wise. I was just riding bikes, riding motorcycles with a buddy, mm-hmm. and we were on a run. It was like for a firehouse or something, and me and him were on, like, basically, I guess, choppers at the time, mm-hmm. and we were with a bunch of weekend warriors that yeah. had leathers and baggers and everything and we were just going heated to ride. seats heated, heated seats i mean just the whole nine <laughs> like we were just going to ride yeah. and uh we were, every opportunity me and him were jumping at the bit to go ride mm-hmm. it's my buddy colby lowry um who actually did all the fab work on that sporty chop that i have and uh pretty much did everything um great guy um but anyway me and him were riding together before I knew anybody or anything. It was just me and him mm-hmm. in the country. We were just two kids that people looked at like, God damn, you guys are crazy. Like <laughs> shit y'all are riding. Like we were riding, we were riding strutted out, um, sportsters with no seats. We were just sitting wow. on the frame, like strutted out, just riding. And I thought that's how you're supposed to ride. Them. We just, I mean, we, I mean, we just thought we were just living. We were just doing yeah, us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and so we showed up for this run. It was a fire department run and, like a poker run or something, and there's like probably a hundred people, 150 people on it. They're all weekend warriors. They got their baggers, they got their chaps, everything. Mm-hmm. I showed up with a pair of jeans, a pair of slip-on vans, a pair of gloves, and a hoodie. And hypothermia waiting to happen. Well, and we hit, we hit <laughs> off. It was actually warm, but actually a lady wrecked on the run, uh, and me and him were uh, we stopped, helped her get up, yeah. helped load the bike up on the trailer and stuff. So it kind of the pack kind of split up. Okay. So we were up in somewhere in Virginia, like near Stewart, Virginia, or something, and um, we finally get back up with the pack. Everybody kind of meets up. The sun's dropping, the temperatures dropping, and we're in the mountains. Yeah. Um, I remember the ride home, I was just like, my brother-in-law was actually on the run, uh, who, love him to death, but he's a weekend warrior. Um, <laughs> so we were riding, and I was trying to stay as close as him, too. I was trying to get heat off exhaust. I, mean, I was froze. I was freezing to death. And uh, we get back to the end of the run, and I was just, like, shaking. I was like, I got to go home. I got to get home. Yeah. And I made it close to my parents' house, and uh, I remember I was just, like, at that stoplight, and I took off, and everything was just stuck. 
Yeah. Like, I just stuck. I was completely frozen. Like, nothing. Wow. I couldn't get my hand to release off the throttle easy, and mm-hmm. I couldn't, like, let go of the clutch. So, finally, everything's just revving. Like, yeah. it's just, like, wide open. And I was just like, fuck it. And I finally just dumped both of them. I finally got both hands to release, and the bike kicked out. Yeah. Grabbed me, ripped my jeans, like, grab because I didn't have a seat. Yeah. I was on the fucking frame. <laughs> yeah, like, some... grabbed my pants, like, ripped the whole, all the way out of my crotch, like, cut my leg and jerked ah. me with it and just drug me with it. And I, I kind of came to, woke up, like, I would think that would make you awake. Yeah, picked the, picked the bike up. Shifter was torn off. License plate, tail light, everything torn off. I remember I jammed in the first gear, and I rode home like two miles in first gear and wow. made it to my parents' house. And then I was just dragging. I had like a license plate, tail light <laughs> combo, and it was just dragging them all the way down the road. Holy crap. And I remember like my dad being out in the driveway. I was like, what the fuck? And I was just like, I'm cold. I'm cold. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all I remember saying. And wow. uh, but yeah, that was. Uh, Did you have a helmet on when you went down? Yeah, I had a helmet yeah. on that time. I wrecked in Florida without a helmet on. Ouch. Uh, that was two years ago. Me and Jay, we let the a shoe show, which a shoe show is a titty bar. Okay, that's what I like to call it—the show where the girls only wear shoes. It's classic. <laughs> shoe show. Classic. It sounds better than titty bar. Exactly. Or a breast lounge. <laughs> a breast you know. <laughs> You know, make it classy. You know yeah. what I mean? Give the ladies a little respect. They're up there working for you dollars. Give it to them. Right. You know, make it respectable. <laughs> but anyway, we come out of Fort Lauderdale. Oh, it was like Miami. We're heading back to Fort Lauderdale. I remember, man, I, we'd been drinking all day and no helmets and just raising hell, just, you know, living, yeah. you know, having fun. Um, and Jay's, <laughs> Jay's a member of Death Science, and he's, he's an awesome cat, and he's a good time. And uh, he's wide open, just as much as I am. Um, and we get back to Fort Lauderdale, and it just rained. The road was wet, and uh, we come through this intersection. And, like, I was probably in third or fourth gear. We come through, and he turns real quick, throws his hand up to go right, and I slam. I don't have a front brake on anything that I have. <laughs> and uh, so I hit the rear brake, and I'm hitting it, and I finally I lock it down. I'm just sliding. Mm-hmm. And uh sliding and sliding i'm like thinking that like kind of i could just hit the throttle like a dirt bike and kind of sell out of it as soon as i hit that throttle the damn ass end just came all the way around on me and just yep. threw me down to the ground high-sided and uh <laughs> i remember being in the uh uh jay was laughing because i was in the middle of the road picking my bike up trying to adjust my throttle with a screwdriver <laughs> to try to fix it to get back running jay's like let's get this thing out of the middle of the road and uh I was like, no, nah, I'm almost done. I got I the throttle. Got I almost have to throttle back to where we can ride home. And uh, <laughs> he's laughing. He's like, dude, do you know what you said? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? He goes, you sound like ludicrous when you went down because at the point of no return, you went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't even realize it because I knew it was coming. <laughs> like I was, I was, I was, I was kind of hammered. It was a long night. It was four o'clock in the morning. If wow. you're ever in Miami Gardens, I think is where it's called. It's like not that far from Miami or Fort Lauderdale, but it's called Tootsie's. It's a um, shoe show, aka Breast Lounge, uh, Booby Bar. But it's uh, used to be a, a old uh, Sam's Club mm-hmm. that they converted into a strip club. Wow! So it's huge. Yeah, I was gonna say that's gotta be it's gigantic. Huge. It's huge. Best time ever. And it stays open till six a.m. Uh, and like I said, it was like 4 a.m. We left the place, but wow. uh, definitely, definitely check it out for sure. <laughs> it's a good time. Just, uh, just calm down before you leave. Tell me, um, just in maybe a a short answer, your greatest failure 
to date? What's your single greatest failure to date? Greatest failure. And that, I know that's different for everybody. And, you know, again, you can be as candid as you want to be or, you know. Let's see. Single greatest failure to date. I would have to say... Or you, uh, might, you might have a different take on what a failure is, too. Well, Some people I was thinking, say, like, I was going to honestly say probably my greatest failure to life to date would be, I guess, my marriage. Mm, that's heavy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't go into it uh, wanting to get a divorce or getting a divorce. Yeah. I went into it as a life partnership and as a, a love, like, marrying, like, actually, like, my high school, like, or or kid, like, growing up. Yeah. Right? And, by the way, my girlfriend's right here in front of me, and I'm talking about it. But it's not that, I mean, it just didn't work, yeah. you know. And well, it's, some it's better off. I mean, we're better off. I mean, we're still good friends. But uh, I would have to say that, like, that probably going through that shit was probably one of the worst experience or worst failures to to date uh just to know that um something that you thought was forever wasn't sure you know what i mean like i mean there's other failures in life but i would say that that's probably like one of the things that i went into not thinking that it would ever fail yeah that did you know that that that, that would probably be honestly probably one of the I appreciate your openness and talking about that because that's something, you know, um, from perspective of being in front of people and talking about things uh, back back in my day um, of being in public eye. I never held anything back. I just yeah. I was as transparent as can be. Yeah. And if it's you something... know me and see me, like I really don't hold anything back yeah. ever. Like I'll tell you how it is, and I'll tell you the truth. And uh, I think for most part, like I mean, I'll be. 100% honest with you on everything. Yeah. And I see that just from our, our talking before the show, even now on the show. And I know, you know, this is probably the beginning of, of uh, many conversations. Yeah. Well, obviously not all, not all of them will be recorded. Yeah. But, uh, I like, uh, I like when people are, are as transparent as they want to be, because I think that there's people out there that might even be struggling with, you know, with just having gone through divorce or whatever. Yeah. And, they might be feeling like they're really alone or they might be feeling like, you know, God, this is the end of my life. Cause I went into this thinking I'm going to be in this forever. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the way <clears throat> I should say all the time, the way that we are as people and as worldwide as people, um, we're no different. You no. know, we have different cultural things and, and all that, but, uh, deep down inside we have the same, um, you know, possible hurts and, and needs and things like that. And sometimes just having someone say something can help that person. To, uh, we know. all bleed the same color. That's true. I mean, it doesn't change. I mean, it doesn't matter what walks of life you come from, or what aspects of life, if you're rich or poor or whatever. Yeah. We all bleed the same. It's truth. You know, we all hurt the same. We all uh, we all go through this life. I mean, like I said, this new tattoo I got, death is certain, life is not. Yeah. You know, and that means a lot to me. You know, I try to go every day hard to live life to the fullest. And, and take as much out of it as I can. I like, um, that's something I heard a long time ago. I can't remember where I heard it from, but someone that said, uh, it takes a lot of shit to make beautiful flowers or to make stuff grow. That's true. Manure works manure mysterious works, ways. It does. Manure works miracles. You know I mean? 
And I, I've always might held on to like that. shit, but it'll make something. Pretty. <laughs> I mean, you you smell a rose that's been, or you know, other flowers that have been given fertilizer, and it doesn't smell like the fertilizer. Exactly. You know, exactly. but it's all underneath them and 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 below you, and it's something that, uh, like you said, everybody goes through different stuff. And I think that like in this chopper world too, like in this whole aspect, like if there's something you want to do on your bike before like you have a bucket list or something, mm-hmm. you should do it. Heck yeah. You know, I mean, people always talk about, like, uh, you know, even older guys that have been, like, in clubs and shit that I've talked to and, and uh, been there and lived a life, you know, and they're like, well, I wish I would have done this mm-hmm. on my bike. You know, we all have the opportunity right now to do it. Yeah. We're still young. We're still, you know, I mean, even at any age, honestly, like, I mean, if you've got the drive and the will, do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get out, build that bike that you want. And ride that thing, you know what I mean. Live it. We're uh, we're pretty much towards the end of the show here, and I just want to um, close it off with asking you kind of the opposite question of uh, what I asked you earlier when we got kind of heavy there. Um, what would you consider your single greatest accomplishment in life thus far? Uh, thus far, my greatest accomplishment, um, just being able to do what I love every day. Hmm. Um. You know, being fortunate enough, like, uh, I I don't make a million dollars. I don't, um, you know, I don't strive for anything. Um, I live and I get to do what I love. I get to um, live and and do what I love every day. Right. So I would think that, in honesty, that's my uh, greatest achievement in life is that I actually get to do what I want to do. And not many people can say that. Yeah. And, uh. You know, there are sacrifices Absolutely. in that. Um, like I said, I don't not necessarily make a lot of money sometimes. Some years are different than others. It depends on what photo jobs come along and what right. do, and what don't. Um, but I feel like also, honestly, that I'm very fortunate to get to do what I've got to do and the experiences I've got to do and to travel and to meet some of the people I've met and to photograph some of the people that I've met. I mean, I got to photograph Andy Griffith awesome. to me, which was uh, – um, you know, life changing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm from Mount area, which is Mayberry, what the show was born and yeah. read on. And, uh, we were, this is just, just to wrap it up, a small story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, Andy Griffin's uh, a folk Americana, what Americana is mm-hmm. about. Um, and where I'm from in Mount Airy, uh, Andy Griffin was born and raised there. It's a mile, his birthplace is a mile and a half from my parents' home. Mm-hmm. And, um, to be able to photograph him and to talk to him uh, was a complete honor. I mean, it's American history. Um, he had a guitar that I photographed him with, um, with another photographer that is a 1948 Martin guitar, hmm. which is probably worth crazy amount of money. Yeah. If you know anything about guitars. Yeah. And I uh, was his favorite guitar. Um, but, um, and the clients I remember to the day were like, um, they were like, don't talk to him. He doesn't like his picture being made. And um, just kind of get in and do it out. It was actually, we were shooting the stills for um, a video project that he was doing. He was back in the Obama campaign for the mm. health care. The, the, mm. the TV commercials ran. Um, and I saw them um, throughout time. But um, anyway, we were there to shoot the stills, like in mm-hmm. between the video takes. And uh, he was getting his makeup done in the kitchen. And... Uh, <laughs> 
the the granite in his house is from Mount Airy, North Carolina. We wow. have the largest open face granite quarry in Mount Airy, hmm. and it's a certain kind of stone. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew what it was. I knew what it was as soon as I walked into his house. He had it all in his house, and um, they were the clients were telling us still not to talk to him. They were all from New York, not to talk to him, not to talk to him. And uh, everybody wasn't paying attention, so I went and talked to him <laughs> while he was getting. Billy his, walks up. I'm Billy. <laughs> while I was getting his, while he was getting his makeup done in the kitchen. And uh, I said, uh, man, that's some sh- that sure is some pr- pretty granite. And uh, I said, where'd you get that from? I already knew where he mm-hmm. got it from. And uh, he looked up at me. He was in his wheelchair. And uh, he said, that's Mount Airy granite with a big-ass smile on his face. And I said, yeah, I thought that was our granite. <laughs> and uh, he said, what do you mean our granite? And I said, well, I'm from, uh, I'm from Mount Airy. He said, no way. I said, yeah. He said, what about part? I said, I'm about a mile and a half from your birthplace on Spring Street. <laughs> he said, I used to court a girl on Spring Street. Wow. Now, if you don't know what court means, he went I means he dated a girl on Spring Street That's back, back in, the, in day. the day. That was back in the day before we went directly from uh, meeting you on the Internet to uh, going for a drink and sleeping with you. Exactly. And There's uh, a little more involved. I, I tell you, man, that, that's probably like one of my greatest, uh, honestly, my achievements in life is just some of the experiences I've had and being able to do what I love to do. And that story kind of sums it up. You know, it's, uh, you know, being meeting him as American folk history and mm-hmm. uh, how many people has ever seen the Eddie Griffith show and me being from the place that he was born and just kind of becoming full circle, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, me being from nowhere. You know, him being from nowhere and being from Andy Griffith to Matlock and just, yeah. you know, just like I said, he's just an American icon as far as the folk goes, um, as far as Americana goes, you know yeah. what I mean, the heart. And uh, honestly, that's probably one of my greatest achievements, just being able to do what I've been able to do. This is uh, this has been an amazing time uh, that I've had to spend here with Billy over the last couple hours, and and um, I thank you for it. I've had a great time. Hey, thanks for being here, man. I, we, we're going to definitely have you back, Billy. I think maybe to talk a little bit more about motorcycles and and I'm, just I'm the culture I, and stuff. I talk for whatever. Give me three tall boys and uh, <laughs> a pack of cigarettes. I can talk and do whatever. You got it. If you guys have a chance, go visit uh, www.deathscience.com. Uh, of course, the yearly revenge run, and uh, I hope to someday ride it. Oh yeah, just fly out. We'll make it. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out something. If you want to come out and just fly out, we'll figure out a bike for you to ride. That'd be awesome. Probably be the best bike I've ridden. <laughs> anyway, Billy, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate you. And, Thank uh, you. Give all the guys back here. Hopefully.